Yo, what's good? It's Counter Currents, episode number 21, host Petey Steele. And Elena Torres. And, and we have an awesome guest today. Um, you know, I don't want to say very special out of, like, disrespect or nothing. <laughs> so we're just going to say awesome. Um, this is Ray Sani. Am I getting it right? Am I yes. saying that right? Okay, Sani. Ray right? Sani. She yes. is the headliner here at Draft House this weekend. Yay. So she's visiting us from, you live in L.A. now, I live in right? LA now, yeah. Right? I right heard you talking about New that York. last night. Yeah. Yeah. And so we're so happy to have you I'm on. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me. It's our Thank pleasure. You. It's our pleasure. And, and originally you're from Brooklyn, New York, yep. right? Okay. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing that on Facebook. Yes. It's interesting, you know, because... Through doing comedy, this is the first time we've ever met in person, mm-hmm. and I don't remember how we became Facebook friends, if it was through, I feel like it was somewhere along the three guys on, or yeah. the black guy who tips yeah. correspondence, or whatever, yeah. but I've really just loved your online content. Oh, thank because that seems to be a thing now in comedy <laughs> you know it doesn't even seem to be as much about the stage well it still is you have to have that if you're going to make dollars but there's people that can cultivate these online personalities right. and i know i'm fucking one of them and sometimes yes, i'm yes, like i are. can't wait to get to new york so i can meet all these cool people i've never <laughs> met you know it's fucking weird um yeah no um to be honest with you uh like I am secretly one of those like curmudgeonly old like where are the jokes where are the punchlines yeah. <laughs> kind of people on stage, um, but you know uh, like sheesh like 2012 I think I was like three years into stand up I just I was starting in New York and there was a showcase that I was on and it was like you know these people here, the bookers for this festival and the booker for this late night show, whatever. And it was like my first showcase like that, that mattered. And uh, I bombed like, and it's not that the jokes weren't good. I bombed, like I was so nervous because the person who went ahead of me was really good. And uh, so I just kept swallowing my words. Like it just wouldn't come out how I was supposed to. And so then after the show, the, um, person whose venue it was was like the booker wanted me to tell you that you have potential you're just not ready yet and then off of that same showcase some other person some other people that I'd come up with started to blow up so i was like fuck yeah. I missed, <laughs> like i missed my opportunity completely yeah. And, um, you know new york is the kind of place where if you bomb badly in the right show People don't really fuck with you that much. Mm-hmm. And there was also like personal life shit going on. So like I dipped out. I was so embarrassed. I thought I'd ruined any shot at a comedy career, which is the dumbest thing. But I was like 23. Right. And uh, and so then I just started learning how to write better jokes by tweeting and using Facebook. And it was it's like it came back around maybe like three years later people were checking for me because of facebook and it turns out that i have good jokes too um but i so it matters to me like i'm not gonna shit on social media it's made my life so much easier Mm -hmm. but like i do be like in the club sometimes where it's like somebody who's like fifty thousand followers on twitter is really funny in that medium and then we get to the you know stage and it's like oh you only have premises because twitter is clever premises mm-hmm. right. you haven't figured out how to write 
a, a punchline. And so, uh, yeah, like, I mean, we can shit on those online kids too if you want. <laughs> I'm game for it. No doubt. But I mean, so it's interesting to me the stuff I've gleaned from, you know, your profiles and some of your comedy because you seem almost like a paradox in the sense that like Okay, you're like super smart, but then you're also like a dropout, right? Yeah, I'm a but, dropout. But of Princeton, nonetheless. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, exactly. If you're so, gonna drop out, do it in style. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean I had four guys from my elementary school who ended up at Princeton. Mm-hmm. All for different fucking reasons, mm-hmm. but then they all kinda made sense to me right. once they got out. Like one was just there to be in the dinner club uh-huh. and right. toss eating his lacrosse or say eating that club. Them. Yeah, well, I'm in the hoi polloi, so they can eat shit, you know? <laughs> um <laughs> then We're well, plebeians here. Yeah, that's it. So like that was that, and then there was another dude that was a sociology major mm-hmm. like me. Um, he's a Sudanese kid I grew up uh-huh. with, yeah. And then he just he was kind of a raver then, and then he got out, and I thought he was going to go into policy. I thought I was. Mm-hmm. Neither of it happened, and Are he just went DC to Merrill leaders? Lynch, yeah. Well, it's, it's kind of of the area. I didn't move into the city till I was 14, but I was out in the suburbs, and mm-hmm. we both went to, you know, kind of elite schools sure. that mixed with the Kavanaugh's of the world. No, my cousin <laughs> did, though. That's why we're going to talk about that in a moment. What happens at Georgetown Prep? Stays at Georgetown Prep. Yep, yep. So, you know, and he just made a whole shitload of money. Then another guy was like a big just general overachiever, save the world sure, sure. guy. And then he found like an article about pollution that was wrong, that the New York Times misquoted, and then he straight up, like, schooled them and then got little notoriety from that, then became, like, a Berkeley lawyer, then he moved to China, married a woman there, did all this stuff. He runs, like, 50-mile or 100-mile races. He's (laughs) he's a psycho, you know? I love the guy, but he's nuts. That sounds like the typical Princeton A-type person. Yeah. For sure. Um, Well, uh, yeah, my life... because I live it, I don't often understand how um, unconventional it has been. But I'm like lucky because there's a program called Prefer Prep when I was a kid. And what Prefer Prep did was take students of color in public schools in New York, mm-hmm. usually lower income families, um, after like uh, a test, a screening. Uh, several like a long admissions process you get into like a 14 month academic program that you do in addition to your regular public school for like fifth and sixth grade and sometimes other grades depending on which program you are in and then they place you in independent school so I'm like a Nigerian immigrant pretty much a poor kid who grew up not in the projects, across the street from them in low-income housing, in, like, the worst neighborhood in Brooklyn. Was it Brownsville? or East New York. Oh, East right New York. Next okay, all right. And, um, but I was, like, riding the train every day to St. Anne's, which had the likes of, like, Lena Dunham there mm-hmm. and, like, right. Dan Aykroyd's kid, you know. And it was, like, I was just living this, like, duality. And it was really great because I had access to some things, but I also had, like, parents at home who kept me grounded, kept me like insane, like not insane. But uh, I I went to Princeton, <laughs> this is so stupid. I went to Princeton, it was the only school I applied to and I got in early. Um, and that was the reason I went, went definitely. But I applied because 
someone didn't think I could do it. Oh, shit. And so it was like we had one of these like, oh, my God, this is such prep school shit. Your people are going to think I'm such a dweeb. <laughs> we had a call. The high school I went to, St. Anne's, didn't have grades. We had a reputation for getting all of our students into Harvard, like Princeton, yeah, whatever. Right. Um, it was like because of the headmaster. My senior year, the headmaster, who did all his magic, got uh, left the school. And so these two women were our college counselors. And they had a meeting with me and my mom. And uh, my mom's a Nigerian immigrant. So she had some difficulty like getting words out or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I will never forget it. They corrected a word that my mom said incorrectly. And that's a weird trigger, but it was a very specific one. I was like, these white women don't respect me. And they don't think that my mom and I are as good as the other people here. So I like in defiance didn't think i was gonna get in applied early and then i got in on my fucking birthday wow. which was yeah. great it was like cool right it was great and i just had like an amazing rest of senior year it was so much fun but i'm still a poor black girl um and at saint anne's such a free kind of hippy dippy kind of prep school that like it didn't matter i had good friends spoke at graduation i was likable I got to Princeton, and wow, was I poor. I felt poor, I felt black. It was just like the craziest thing. And I did the whole trying to fit in, like how you say your social major friend ended up at Merrill Lynch or whatever. Yeah. That could have happened to me. Like I bought a bunch of polo shirts so that I would fit in. They were all La Tigra. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and like, I joined a white sorority so that I could be sort of like funneled into the right eating club right. and right. all of that. Like I did the most like selling out possible because mm -hmm. it just blew my mind that I wasn't interesting or fun or likable enough because I didn't have fair skin and money. And if I like even the fair skin wouldn't matter as much if I had money, but I didn't have those things. And those were, seemed to be the only things that mattered. And just like through sort of trying to force myself into certain social circles or whatever, I got sexually assaulted multiple mm. times. And that's what broke it. That's where the dropout comes from. Because it's just like, all right, man, like, I'm doing everything that makes me miserable with the hopes that fitting in with you guys is going to make me less miserable. Yeah. And no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. Uh, and so I got depressed. And I've been on mental health leave for, wow, Nine years. <laughs> Holy <laughs> shit. Years. Wow. Yeah. So you have the option to go back yeah. if you want? Yeah. I would have to write them an application that says, I'm ready to come back now. My psychiatrist says I'm okay. Here's right. what I've been yeah. doing in the 10 years since right. and why I'd be like a valuable asset to bring back. I um, think you totally would. I mean, even if you don't feel you would or if you don't want to come back, yeah, like, oh, you <laughs> never do that shit. No, but, I was going to say, like, it would be great if they asked you back. It, you know, you'd be like kind of an emissary of like, this is what it's like. Maybe. It, that's if well, you want. Well, you know, the, the kids, uh, I'm wow, this has not been funny at all. The kids uh, there, the young black kids there are so woke. They're like staging yeah. sit-ins oh, at shit. like nice. the university professor's office. And I mean like, it's small potatoes. They were trying to get Woodrow Wilson, notorious presidential racist, mm -hmm. um, his name off of this, the building, which is the public policy building, which is pretty much what Princeton's like most prestigious for. Mm -hmm. And obviously that was never gonna happen. The right. alum are not gonna do that. But they got Toni Morrison's name 
on a hall oh. by you know staging the sit-in and that's much cooler than anything i was doing when i was there so maybe for them maybe for younger black kids were more vocal and active and you know these days kids are more woke because they hear about stuff online so maybe the atmosphere is different but yeah, I dropped out, but I got raped out of school. <laughs> yeah. That's a wow. great way to turn somebody against a university. Right. I yeah. genuinely think that if I stayed and I graduated, I'd be a completely different person. Mm. I wouldn't be at yeah. Merrill Lynch because I'm bad at math. Right. But it would be something like that. It'd be yeah. like right. some obnoxious PR firm in New York where I'd have yeah. to wear like inappropriate, appropriate work attire, like hot enough to like make my boss want to give me assignments but not hot enough to get like banged in or something you know right and that's right. a lifestyle nobody needs <laughs> I don't right. want that. just right. the right amount of stilettos and cleavage basically <laughs> yeah, exactly is what that needs yeah i read somewhere that like uh women in corporate workspaces wake up an hour and a half earlier than their male counterparts to look presentable to get to work that's true i, I, I mean it. i can vouch for that in terms of like I've known a lot of people that worked on the Hill, both mm -hmm. parties, that you know, and they would tell me they'd be getting up like, you know, 4.30 in the morning to get there at 7 and just to get yeah. like, you know, super dolled up yeah. so yeah. they can make fucking coffee and push papers. Hello? And I'm like, yeah. Joe, you don't have to. I mean, but they, they do for the image and yes, all of that. And you can. I can like that has to affect your work performance right if oh, you're yeah. working till 10 p.m and you're up at four like when do you get to watch your reality tv shows to decompress mm -hmm. you know like when do you get to be a person when do you get to get laid like mm -hmm. it sounds awful and like when i was doing stand-up in new york i was temping at one of these banks and i wasn't doing anything important but like i had to be there at 8 30. i remember walking in one morning and a dude is in a meeting room, okay, on like the other side of the floor, right. yelling at yeah. the top of his lungs because somebody maybe fucked up a transaction or something. You can never convince me that any job is worth a man yelling at my face yeah. before 9 a.m. Yeah. Like, yeah. what do we do? It's not even brunch time. You out here yelling loud. Like, I'm not waking up at four to put on every ounce of makeup that I yeah. have just for you to shit on me for a thing that ultimately doesn't matter or it, maybe it matters but the disrespect is wild and i can't imagine what draws people to that type of shit power i suppose power. and i think it's a very male sort of environment thing that anger work equals productivity yeah. and in that way it suppresses so many people like my first internship was at the weinstein company oh dear and girl harvey weinstein <laughs> I didn't know anything about because Harvey Weinstein lived in New York, so I didn't know anything about the sexual oh, assault stuff at the time. I was York, in I LA. was in L.A. I was in L.A. But every time, because I would have to listen in on phone calls and stuff, the guy never did not scream at people. Yeah, and the people that talked to him every day on the phone literally had a cloud over their heads. I can't That's explain crazy. it any, any other way. And then all this stuff came out, and I'm like, I'm so not surprised that the two are related. I'm genuinely you know? asking because you're the man in the mm -hmm. room. Are angry people effective? Oh, uh, just generally speaking. I think it depends on the industry. I think they've okay. sh had a lot of studies uh, that say that people with access to like personality disorders and shit from okay. the DSM 
are at the highest levels yeah, oftentimes. Yeah, like CEO, right. narcissists, and even like antisocial and some borderline people. Oh, really? And, yeah. and, and they also excel in criminal enterprise yeah. as well. <laughs> exactly. White yeah. and blue collar um, <laughs> and black market. So yeah, it's just right. kind of like... The same personality type that runs the country is also stealing organs and doing so yeah. super well. Yeah. Right. You got to be A-type. Whatever that type I is. Think, yeah. you know, as a guy that went to like an all-male Catholic high school in the area and saw, you know, and took a lot of verbal abuse and some oh, physical really? and everything. I'm oh, sorry. yeah. No, I, that, that's all good. I mean, I did it. I, I, I dealt some out because as perverse as it is, you learn to take it. You learn to kind of dish it. You know what I mean? It's yeah. fucked up. Every comedian, I feel like there's so many comedians whose origin story was like, I got funny, so I didn't get fucked up. And I'm like, my God. Yeah. yeah. It's, that's there, crazy. Yeah. There's some of that. And I think that, I, I, you know, like, for instance, this whole Kavanaugh shit. Uh, my cousin went to that school, mm -hmm. Georgetown Prep. And I think it definitely highlights the value of re-examining whether or not it's a good thing to have same-sex schools mm, i don't right. think it is you don't think so I, no because if you're there all day talking this bullshit you know that you pick up like i can remember in 10th grade english watching the guy submit for credit some poem about a raging kegger orgy <laughs> with like dominant cliche sexuality <laughs> stuff that was picked up from gangster rap right. songs they were like obvious one syllable rhymes on her knees don't oh, tell no. tricks please blah <laughs> blah so submitting that shit and the teacher just for credit i mean it That's was like crazy. everybody we were doing poetry that was like the <laughs> unit you know right so he's writing this bullshit and the teacher's just like well because he was a liberal guy so he's like i'm not about censorship i want mm -hmm. everybody to have their thing or whatever but he's talking clearly about stuff that happened like three weeks ago and there's no oh, women no. in the room to say like yo first That's of all you ain't even getting no pussy or <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know what i mean or like this is some bullshit uh, blah 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 and when you don't have that and then you just have weekend warrior mentality you know and it's just alcohol puberty fueled fucking rage you know weekend people warrior is the best framing of that because you know the whole thing has been lindsey graham being like if you're this fucked up how is it possible that you can be this accomplished? And it's like exactly that weekend warrior, like yeah. um, the uh, like the at Princeton, there was something I could be misremembering it. There's a secret club called the 21 Club, which is like the eating clubs have like one representative. I think I could be incorrect where to get in the club you have to be able to drink 21 beers in one go and if somebody vomits somebody else has to drink the vomit like this is Ugh. and but and then from that i don't know who is in the 21 club for example but i do know that place generates people like a ted cruz or a, like whatever yep. right if and he was too much of a dweeb to have been, I'm sure. But I'm sure he's best friends with someone or know somebody who knows somebody who was in one. I'm sure there's somebody in Congress right now who was oh, in the yeah. 21 Club. Oh, 100%. And, like, Weekend Warrior is such a funny way to describe it because men love warlike imagery. Yeah. And yeah. that your delight, your partying is violent yeah. warrior you're a soldier yeah. for just like cooling out and hanging with your friends it's such a weird kind of like uh engagement with the idea of partying but what's so funny is that i used to be a rapper when i was in high school mm -hmm. 
Uh, I was called Butter because I'm yellow and smooth. Yeah, and ain't no parquet, <laughs> no margarine, right? No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> you can't believe, you know. But um, but like my rhymes weren't about what I did to boy. <laughs> they weren't. They were. Uh, I did do the pretending I killed people a lot. Mm-hmm. That was that was the thing. Uh, I'm a Brooklyn girl, and in high school, Jay-Z and Rockefeller were at their apex. Sure. So I was, like, sneak dissing Amil and raps that I was writing. Amil. <laughs> yeah, like, I was sitting here, like. Whatever <laughs> happened to Amil? Well, apparently, Jay-Z dropped her because she was forgetting lyrics on concert. She just wasn't up to the job. Hmm. But, like, there's that song on Dynasty album where it's like, Seagull, Seagull, what? Meth, bleak, yeah. yeah. So apparently, oh, on the Hard Knock Life tour, there's a video There's a video of them performing that song, and it's like, a million gone. Like, just whatever. Wow. And at the time, every rap crew had its first lady. You had Eve or whatever. Mm-hmm. And Will so Kim and exactly. Foxy and all that. Yeah, yeah, that and one. That one, yeah. right? And so I'm sitting here like, Rafa, Rafa's my first name. When I talk to myself, I say Rafa. I'm like, Rafa, you got to be the first lady of Rockefeller. So I'm like getting these CDs with DJ Clue beats on them. And like, you know, those mixtapes he used to yep. do where he'd call DJ himself. DJ Clue. Yes. Yep. And he'd call himself like William M. Holla and shit. Mm-hmm. And so I would just like get that, listen to like diss raps on there, and then just start writing my own and just shit on Amil for no reason. <laughs> it, was just a, it was just this like scrawny private school 15-year-old girl being like, fuck a million. <laughs> like, <laughs> and, and if she gets mad about it, come see the smoke. I've never seen smoke. Yeah. There is no smoke. Ever. Fuck Ever. a million. I'll make a billion. <laughs> Shit like that. Yeah. And so, like, uh, it is. I I do think that there is like something to be said about uh, men being kept or boys being kept around girls during their uh, you know most awkward impressionable years. I think you should not separate people if they are meant to learn to treat those other people with humanity. But there are studies that show that single-sex schools for women, they have them do better because they are less insecure about speaking in front of boys and their appearance and being ridiculed. And also, in those schools where teachers who know that the student body is all, all girl right. are more inclined to take them seriously because they, they are there for an academic job, whereas like you'll have a thing where math students take a test if a girl's name is on it suddenly she's lower marked Mm, lower mm -hmm. but if you don't have a name on it she does better so you're not only i think single sex schools for girls does a service that like i don't think single sex schools for boys does um because i think the impetus behind single sex schools for boys is one keep just keeping girls out and uh two like this isn't for them to gain the confidence to to go into the world. It's them getting to be another part of an exclusive club. I see right. that. I, you know, that's so interesting you say that because I was talking with Buddy Fabulous like literally right before we did this podcast. Mm-hmm. I don't think you know her, right? Uh, yeah. And she was telling me, I said, I think this same sex is bad. And she said, well, I think it's bad for men but good for girls. Yeah. And for those same yeah. reasons, you just – named off generally you know you're not as insecure 
and she could identify when she got to college any girl that had been to like an all girls school because they weren't like looking around to see if dudes were rolling their mm-hmm, eyes when right. they had to make a point and shit totally, like that right. you know totally totally and like i mean i fortunately have been like uh i'm very lucky to have parents who did not emphasize looks at all and my dad is an arrogant smart person and so Mm -hmm. i am so it allowed me to like not be scared of what i had to contribute to a room or a conversation but then i got to college and immediately like lost all of it all of it not realizing Mm -hmm. that the environments that i had been in had been open to me but like it is a mind fuck where like if you wake up in a residential college named after one of your classmates right and then you're in a room full of people as wealthy as him and you have to do things in debate class like debate affirmative action policies you're basically having the top one percent of all of america explain why you don't belong where you are wow that's the kind of like self-esteem destruction that happens i think in prep schools if they were co-ed that happened to people in high school that i wasn't ready for when i got to college i i just worry that one like men need to talk to women and they shouldn't be in spaces learning that women are a distraction to their success or academic focus or whatever. But also I don't want to sick those men <laughs> on women. Yeah, like, no, yeah. that's a What's kind of a Hobson's choice. Yeah. Right. So I guess you just got to get serious with laws about, yeah, you know, for sure. And, people. and I think a lot of these systematic sort of superiority complexes, I think that's a big reason why all male schools don't work as well, because I think, I don't know. I've never been in an all-male school. You can tell me, Petey. But there's sort of this underground, I mean, undercurrent of this thought of, like, we're better than everyone. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You know, and that obviously we're includes... We're exclusive. Yeah, that Our school is 1792. Right. We've been the most yeah. excellent right. for decades. That's the right. thing. They would say, you're ensconced in the Catholic tradition or whatever. Well, you're right. a so-and-so man. Right. Yeah. And, like, for some reason, women aren't capable or shouldn't be in this environment that we're in. And starting that education from so young. And, I mean, all boys' schools, I think, are sort of like a a really hotbed for that but i think that's also systematic in everything we have because like you know people talking about history and stuff and women aren't as big of a part as certain parts of history because we weren't allowed to do certain things right so we aren't you know we might not have like the same figures like i don't know i guess with comedy like i get pissed sometimes when people refer to comedy like oh yeah all those funny guys just coming and people just refer to comedians as guys have you Mm. noticed that sometimes oh you know what I mean? That. Like, I feel like I've noticed a lot of people like, oh, yeah, you know, all those guys. Yeah, it's the default thing. Yeah, yeah. Guys all those, get all those guys lot. Yeah. I say guys all the time. See, oh, that, that's internalized it, misogyny. I'm, you need yeah. to check no, yourself. I'm full of it. I'm full of it. <laughs> but oh, see, that, that totally. I think that's all part of this sort of system. It's like systematic racism, systematic sexism. And so I think it's all part of the same thing right. where just it's, the, you know, like you're saying with sexual harassment, the way that victims are constantly sort of... You prove yourself. Prove mm-hmm. yourself. It's funny because this I do have like a close friend who's 50 and is a nurse practitioner and is right. female. And she says to me all the time, what's up, girl? And stuff like that. And I kind of was like taken aback. But then I was like, wait a minute. Why am I tripping? Like this, whatever. Yeah. Right. It's um, what's frustrating is uh, 
the reason I asked about anger being effective mm-hmm. um, is because, like, even with comedy, right? I I was I started whining about this a couple weeks ago. I'm actually very curious what you guys think about this. Okay. So, I got I've gotten sexually assaulted three times, um, and I think the second one is hilarious. And like, I tried to do bits on stage about it, and admittedly, they weren't like the most polished but i feel right. like you um you sometimes you're afforded the luxury of working a hard bit out on stage because you can only tell if it's not working especially if it's a hard one on a hard topic if you do it in front of people and just instantly the minute you say i was sexually assaulted mm-hmm. the response is very we're worried about you. yeah yeah are you okay whatever yeah and um and then like I was thinking about Louis C.K. coming back to the cellar and doing not a rape joke, but a joke about rape whistles in this kind of like pokey, in my opinion, defiant kind of taunting way. And I was like, that was passive aggressive, but that was his rage. And I'm wondering how receptive to my rage about a thing that I'm not like, you know what I mean? How it gets responded to. Like, do girls get to yell? Do girls get to, you know what I mean? About things that make them mad or upset or whatever, even on stage. Yeah. Whereas, like, I mean, wasn't Anger Kinnison's whole selling? Oh, yeah. yeah. He was a fucking sledgehammer. Like, that yeah. Guy. I mean, like, is there a time that Joe Rogan isn't talking at the top of his voice? Totally. Like, and, you know, maybe they do it in ways that are humorous. But I find that the leeway to even approach not just anger, but like sometimes sadness or un- discomfort is not afforded us the way it's afforded y'all. That's fair. I agree with that. I mean, 100%. And 100%. so I'm trying to figure out what the solution is. Do I just say, fuck it? I'm going to be mad about some shit today. And then like, or, you know, like. Like, why are we so engaged with male rage and put off by everybody else's rage? I yeah. guess is what I'm. Well, asking. because you know, the dominant you know person in the power structure is gonna feel like, you know, when they get used to privilege, when sure. somebody totally. under says something different, they start to take it as oppression when it's not that at all. Yeah. But it totally. feels like that if you're the fucking guy on top and if, and if you've just had that pass your whole life. Right. You that know? was what was so fascinating about the Kavanaugh exactly. hearings because I would have withdrawn just to not embarrass my wife. Right? Yeah. Like, we're not out here. Like, I, the Supreme Court, once in a lifetime opportunity you'll go down in history whatever whatever but i have people i love and they are going to be mortified humiliated their lives are going to be messed up because i was too arrogant to say the second highest court in america is fine Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. that is that is an entitlement i can't even conceive of like and i'm like is is that a black thing that i can't conceive of it or is that a is that a girl thing it's not a black thing because clarence thomas is there it's a girl thing yeah girls like we are always and i'm the most selfish person on the planet we're always 
how's this person's gonna feel? What's this per- what's this person's gonna be like? What this person is gonna do? How's this gonna affect my family? Whatever. Can you imagine somebody accuses you yeah. of setting up gang rapes and you have your wife sitting yeah. right here the whole fucking time and you're crying? Yeah. You're crying because you don't get to. And it's interesting as you look at that picture where he's screaming, mm-hmm. which which was kind of cool because I got to take it and put you know the cosby quote about like i don't have a plane asshole or whatever <laughs> up on media but you know you look at every one of the women behind them and they're all looking mortified but they're also looking like they're just gonna keep caping for him yeah and as soon as he got off the bench and they took a break i think it was after klobuchar's questions where he was a complete dick to her you know he- wait can i just admit this is a, i don't mean to be contrarian yeah. but I get why he snapped on her a little bit. Now, I don't think he would have snapped on a man. There's definitely some misogyny in there. Mm -hmm. But she did start her question off with an anecdote about her 92-year-old alcoholic father. If I'm here at this hearing to testify to the fact that I am not a drunk, you're sitting here telling me a story about a drunk and your family trying to coax uh, an admission of my addiction out of me. I'm going to have an attitude. I, I did. Well, yeah, I mean, I think because I'm recovered as an alcoholic and like I know that when you're trying, when you've gotten some time, some sober time, mm-hmm. one part of the whole thing is you start trying to get that out of everybody because you think it's such a like permeating thing sure. that's out there. And sometimes you don't realize it could come off as like offensive. You think, well, hey, I've yeah. beaten the stigma yeah, for totally. me so I can just go and transfer this on uh-huh. somebody else. I think she was trying to be like, it's okay. My dad's like yeah. that too. But probably that was in error yeah. uh, of doing that like i don't think that she asked a bad question i right. just understand that if you are implying a thing that i'm here to specifically vehemently deny mm-hmm. and you're trying to coax me out of into this admission by telling me about your 90 year old dad in aa like bro fuck you yeah i'm here to not hear this right All right are we talking about whether or not i attack this woman you know what i mean right. like it it wasn't right of him to handle it the way he did, but I understand the impulse, but I don't know. Like, that Kavanaugh shit was, like, really wild because... Wouldn't it have been something if he was like, you know, are you? I've heard it's a genetic disease or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yo, that would have been so cold. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> and she she's like i've had a beer all right uh yeah because you can either tea, be a teetotaler because your daddy wasn't shit mm-hmm. or you drink just like your ain't shit daddy yeah. <laughs> nature versus nurture yeah, yeah. Seriously. And he, but then right when he left like all them women that were frowning in disgust but also like they were gonna keep whatever caping they were like patting him on the shoulder, sure. giving him all this sure. like encouragement. And I was like, this is because that's something I see. I was, you know, I'm very close to a lot of people having grown up in this like Irish DC mm-hmm. Catholic culture, which is the closest thing to the mafia this town has. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like dead oh ass. They get each other jobs. That's they crazy. marry the same people. They know everybody's cousins. Mm-hmm. They right. get fucking loaded. Is that why Giuliani married like, his own cousin? That's a New York Catholic Did thing. He? Yeah, he's a he's an Italian. That there's uh, some his first wife before he was mayor was a second cousin. Oh yeah. 
it can Which happen. Um, is icky. It is icky. <laughs> it is icky. I know of some cousins that have banged, but I don't have thinking of any marriage <laughs> ones. Yeah. Not gonna put any names There's so out there. There's so many other dicks in the world. Why would you bang your cousin? I know. I know. Yeah. Ugh. I don't know. I think you probably go to Ancestry and you're like, all right, we're not gonna like in case of error, <laughs> you know. <laughs> i don't know but like Uh, you a sickle cell carrier i'm a sickle cell carrier let's risk it (laughs) it'll it'll neutralize you know baby um but i've been around all that and there's a kind of omerta almost that exists where they'll talk all that shit about each other They'll do dirty stuff, you know, and but they all keep it kind of within sure. their quarters. They play it off. They act like it ain't no kind of big deal or nothing that prayer won't fix or sure. something, you know, yeah. which is horse shit. I, it's, I'm still kind of like on the side of it because my mother married into that sure. whole thing later in life. Um, but I'm so divorced from it, yet yeah. I'm still here. So I yeah. see all these people from right. time to time. But well, it, what's like it's wh- a relic. What's fascinating about it, though, the the part that's wild to me is you could do like he could just admit that he drank a lot. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You set yourself up. I'm part of the family values party. We don't do X, Y, Z, X, Y, Z. And neither should you. That's a setup for yourself. Right, You're going right. to fuck yourself over. Why don't you just be the f- party of flawed human beings who hates browns and that's it well that's what they are in a but lot they of ways don't admit the flawed part but, but that's part of the whole thing the culture is not to admit it it's to be honest by getting your sins forgiven on sunday but then to go out and do wrong again for See? the next six Look, days right. it's like it's like I'm gordon so <laughs> i'm dead serious though it's like gordon gecko in fucking wall street where he's do- oh never seen it well there's a great scene where he's like explaining how economy works Mm -hmm. to charlie sheen and he's got this big portrait on the wall he says you know how much i bought that thing for it was like five hundred dollars now it's worth a million dollars why he says the illusion becomes real sure you just keep lying on it you know changing it moving the goalposts, gaslighting and everything and eventually the lie is accepted. The culture's accepted. It gets baked in. Nobody wants to change, and it can't be done really from the inside. It's got to be kind of an outside job. It has to be a toppling. Right. Or and a toppling, right? That's all. I think he should be held accountable also for his behavior in these hearings. Like, this is the part that I just, like, yeah, lost all feeling for him. He, yeah. I mean, I totally understand his impulse to get upset, you know, when she asked him that question. But, like... As a woman, if I was in that scenario, I don't. Oh no, you I, don't get to. Yeah, I don't get to do that. Right. You no. don't get to. I know. I have that impulse, but I have learned my whole life that I have to control it and become cool and collected. And if you're going to the highest court of the nation that's going to deal with stuff that's, I mean, a very big deal, close to a lot of your heart, then you can't control yourself and you interrupt every senator that's asking While you a you're question. Crying, you're scream right. crying. <laughs> right. You're scream crying, and you can't be respectful. Nope. To other people. But he wasn't respectful to the boys. He wasn't respectful to the girls. Right, of course, of course. That was the whole thing. He's like yelling, I didn't rape her as he's interrupting a female senator asking him a question. I don't mean to interrupt, but I guess I'm doing it. He actually said that. And I was like, okay. Like, I'm one of those people who's aware of her flaws and isn't fixing it. But I'm also not a Supreme Court nominee. You know, I just feel like, look, 
more than anything though he didn't present as a brilliant mind not at all and so on top of all of this the male female dynamic the white male of privilege dynamic the potential rapist dynamic on top of all that he didn't even demonstrate what looks like impressive enough a mind to do the job exactly so here we are you have lindsey graham like fucking doing a tennessee williams monologue yeah, yeah. to fucking defend a person who has to me not demonstrated an ability to be like thoughtful and like excellent enough to be worth all of this exactly exactly and then you compare him to her testimony where she is she's just a person and she's calm cool collected to be likable right and did you see this graph that came out about answering questions that's the other thing is like yeah straight up like most predators will go after people that aren't going to get on the stand and go the laughter's indelible in my hippocampus (laughs) where's your fucking judgment guy that was fire yeah that was fire (laughs) that was fire um yeah, that's like what is beautiful, not beautiful, but a a great thing that will, I think, be a lesson that some people draw is like, you had the best shorty possible to tell the story, yeah, right? Yeah, for sure. The best person possible. Renowned professor, married into a good family. Like, did the, did the process the right way, and it's insufficient. So I never want to hear about someone being no angel ever the fuck again. You know what I mean? Like, ever again. Shorty, like, she even had the suit jacket on, these glasses. I'm sure she didn't need the glasses. My theory is that those were her, like, believe me glasses. Right. You know? <laughs> she did everything. Everything you are asked to do. Yeah. yeah. She was like, investigate me. Yeah. You yeah. know what I'm never doing? Asking the FBI to talk yeah. to me, I know. hang out with me, be yeah. around me. I don't like the letter F, B, or I. Like, <laughs> I'm not chilling with yeah. them. I am not inviting them anywhere. And she's uh. like, come, come talk, come check. It's crazy. And he's on some, I don't want it. I don't want it. I, I want to know. I want to know because I don't think that that incident with Dr. Ford and uh, Mark Judge is the worst incident. No, no. Because no. if that was the worst incident, he'd be like, "Bring it on, investigate." Yeah. There's some other shit. There's some other shit. There's somebody who he like put coke on a dildo and forced it into somebody's butt. Like he yeah. he done mm-hmm. some that's really gonna and he he's too arrogant to fucking withdraw. Like I just saw a tweet on my way here. It was like Roman Polanski is doing a new movie called Jack Hughes. Now, I don't know what the movie's going to be about, but Jack Hughes sounds to me like he's going to be talking about false accusations. Mm. And my thing is, I want that arrogance. I need the arrogance. You have yeah. been on the run I know. <laughs> for years. Not, and you've been making movies the mm-hmm. whole time. And then... At this like groundswell of this conversation, yeah, that's putting out a movie titled Jack Hughes. Like that's nuts. Yeah. That's fucking nuts. And I hate it, but I secretly wish someone gave me that kind of arrogance. I'd, I'd be a fucking billionaire right now. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, there's there's an argument to be made for that. You could end up being like a president or a CEO <laughs> or some shit. It's know. it's nuts because you just like, I mean, like the most arrogant I've gotten is like nailed that joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Can you imagine? Totally. You imagine? Yeah. Oh, I'm gonna just sit in front of the Senate committee on national television and whine. Mm-hmm. And interrupt all of them and yell the, yell at all of them. It's, it's it's truly astonishing. It's truly astonishing. But I do like just temporarily want a drug to feel it. Like just yeah, you know, like is it like the highest cocaine where it's just like <laughs> can I just can I just not be so embarrassed to get in front of that Senate panel and fucking cry because I deserve it? He threw a tent. Temper tantrum. Yeah, he did. Oh yeah, he did. No question. That's crazy. He did. I know it's insane. It's insane. Have you ever been like chastised really poor, badly for having like a decent or normal or like a reasonable reaction to something? Yeah, of course. Really? Of course. Yeah, I feel like I've been blamed for being too emotional a lot. I grew okay. up in Latin America. Oh okay. So oh, sexism in Mexico, oh, Mexico wow. City. So a lot of the times there, women are. I mean, it's like here, but I think worse. Whereas women are known as being too emotional. Mm-hmm. So half the time, you know, when I, I mean, I used to work on Mexican soap operas. So, so at That's work. That's super cool. <laughs> so I remember at work once they were giving me crazy wardrobe. I was playing a doctor and they were giving me like mini skirts that were like basically up my butt. Mm-hmm. And so I, I went and I complained about it. I was like, it just doesn't fit the character. Or I don't know. And I thought I was being pretty calm. And they're like, well, you've, you're being really emotional. And That's I was like, worst. and I was like, I, I'm literally this. I can't be any calm. But then obviously, then you start to get pissed off. You start I'm getting like, defensive. I can't, I'm like, I literally can't be any calmer. I think I'm giving you a totally reasonable argument. You're putting me in stuff that doesn't fit. They want I don't you to know. just eat it. Yeah, and they they were just like, you're, you're being really emotional. You're overreacting. There's just a, uh, there's a thing that happens. I think too, and I also why I hate this political climate. I'm sorry this podcast wasn't funny. Um, but like. We had some laughs. Yeah, we sure did. (laughs) Um, But like the worst part is not trusting your own brain. And like the when you are like making a perfectly reasonable complaint, you're crazy. What an outsized reaction. You're being defensive. If you weren't if you if if it wasn't wrong then why would you be defensive and it's just right. like i'm entitled to an emotional reaction to an emotional situation right. especially when you give leeway to like fucking bloated fucking <laughs> like <laughs> awful and that's coke bloat that's coke and alcohol bloat by the way oh i see oh, yeah. that dude's nose and his tongue rolling yeah. did you see that picture of harvey weinstein coming out of court the other day no, no. oh harvey weinstein looks like 40 pounds slimmer i'm sure that stress makes you lose weight but i'm sure there's also an element of like i can't party because i have to prepare for this case not to say he looks good but he looks better than when he had been terrorizing all these people and it's just like all of this is nuts did i make sense yeah no you totally did great sense and now uh the show, I believe, is, is getting to start. start. Yeah, your show's so going to start, so we got to end We want to make uh. sure, too, to say that uh, October the 4th um, 
at the draft house. There's three guys on live at 8:45. Love uh, those guys. They're the mm-hmm. best guys. I will. I will not be there that night. I got another Thanks. thing. But uh, you should go see them. Friday and Saturday, seven and nine. We got Jamie Lee from Comedy Central, MTV, and Ridiculous. And then. Cleon comes back to D.C. on Sunday, October the 7th at 8 p.m. And for the Jamie Lee tickets, you can definitely follow us, Counter Currents Facebook, Currents D.C., Twitter, and Instagram. And if you do, you'll be having a chance to win fucking, you know, three sets of free tickets. Um, and then you can unlike us again and get into back into next week's drawing <laughs> the following week. Uh, but Katie, we want to tell you how to cheat the thanks system. Thanks so much, Ray Sandy, for sitting down with us. Yeah, and thank yeah. you for having me. Partying. This was great. I and, feel uh, bad that there was only like two laughs. No, oh, there, there were, were more than, than that. that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we I mean, got I'm supposed this. to deliver the goods. And I got all fake deep. Boom! Well, you know. <laughs> it was real deep. It was real deep. <laughs> when, you, when you're hanging with a fucking Einstein like Petey Steele. Mm, <laughs> yeah, nah. and this uh, bottle blonde, yeah, the smarty Elena yeah. Torres. That's, what else are you going to talk about? You know? heavy. I like a smart bottle blonde. Oh, thanks. Give her <laughs> Megan Kelly's job, people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, Ray, where can they get at you? Um, I was going to say Twitter, but people have been annoying me on Twitter okay. all week. Okay. So... In two weeks, find me on Twitter. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sounds uh, good. And you know, I'm trying to do more stand up because I started writing for TV, which sucks up all the time. But it is my intention to, by the end of the year, have like a bunch of dates ready for folks. So just be on the lookout. I'm at Raysani on Twitter, um, Raysani on Facebook, that sort of stuff. Fantastic. Cool. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, Thank you so much for, for having me, you guys. And Tom, when you come back, we'll get you on again. Yeah. Yeah. And then I will. Uh, you know, write bits, presume where the conversation's going, and then deliver like it's natural. You boom, know? boom. It'll be like Comics Unleashed. That's it. We'll, Love have, it. A, we'll have a drum machine. <laughs> Love it. Okay, all right. Bye. Peace.